Hey everyone, and welcome to the Theana Money Podcast, where we seek to help the good man leave an inheritance to his children's children. This is Jeremy Collins, the host of Theana Money. So this week on the episode, we have another interview. This is with David. He is from the Presup and Dominion Polemics channel on Gab. If you are on Gab, you should go give him a follow. He also has a website. We're going to have the link in the description of this episode so you can go check it out, see all of his great resources on apologetics and theonomy and all kind of stuff like that. So in this week's episode, we're going to be talking about how he became a theonomist and then about a bit of the history of theonomy in recent years. So before we jump into the episode, please like, subscribe, uh, comment, review, rate, all those things the podcast on whatever catcher you're using right now and help us spread the word. Go on Facebook and share the podcast feed, the posts that are sharing the new episode of the feed. Share that on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or share to your story on Instagram, share it on Gab, all those things to help us get the word out there about how God's word teaches us about economics. Thanks everyone and I hope you enjoy this interview. All right, everyone. So this week, uh, we have a really great interview planned for you. Actually, this week and next week. This week, both weeks, actually, I'm going to be with David here. And this week, he's going to be talking about how he became a theonomist and then going a little bit into the history of theonomy. And then next week, it's going to again be with David. And that's going to be more going over objections to theonomy. What are some common things people try to say against theonomy and how we can answer them? So, David, I'm going to go ahead and let you talk a bit about yourself. Okay, well, um, I have um, been a Christian for decades. Uh, I've been uh, married to my uh, lovely wife for 36 years. We've got several children, and uh, I, I love theonomy. Um, I came into it through Greg Bonson. We'll talk about that more in a, in a minute. Um, but um, I, 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 love the, I love the podcast that, that you started, Jeremy. Uh, We need many, many more like this. Theonomy is just such a great movement. I've noticed such a resurgence in it the last few years. And and, um, your your podcast is certainly part of that. I'm I'm just so glad to see and and hear um, what's happening with it. Well, thank you for that. Yeah, it's cool to hear. I think you've been a theonomist longer than I've been alive. So (laughs) that's pretty cool that someone that's been in the movement so long loves what I'm doing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and your, your particular um, podcast, you know, it is, uh, there's so much of, of God's law to, you know, to analyze and discuss and, you know, yours is more economic based and uh, that that's so important, especially right now with what's going on with the country and with a lot of the nations uh, at this time. Um, it's just, it's really um, just needed and warranted at this time. So just really, really helpful. Yeah, nowhere in the Bible says uh, you as a free man will own nothing and be happy. 
in the Bible, that's called slavery, but that's where the World Economic Forum is trying to get us by 2030. So it's seeming that seeing what the Bible has to say about economics is more important than ever. It, absolutely. It is so timely. Yeah. So you said Greg Bonson brought you into the, uh, into the theonomic perspective. Uh, how did that happen? Did you have him as a professor? Or do you just discover him through your pastor at the time? How did that all happen? No, um, I, w- I would love to be able to say that uh, um, uh, Greg was one of my teachers, but uh, I discovered him, I'm afraid, after he was already gone. How I found theonomy was really through the back door. I started investigating um, apologetics, um, both for myself and our family, probably about 15 years ago. And uh, in just researching it, I kept seeing presupp, uh, presuppositional apologetics mentioned. Uh, and um, all that finally led me to, um, to Greg Monson. And so I started down a path of, I realized that Greg's resources were sold on Covenant Media Foundation, which is cmfnow.com. And so I started down a long path of buying everything Greg um, sold, everything that was sold that Greg did on CMF Now. And uh, so I was listening to all these um, apologetics uh, series and kept noticing that there was a number of series that Greg had done on ethics. And I thought, well, that's, that's kind of strange to me. You know, that seems kind of obvious from a, a New Testament perspective. I wonder, I wonder why Greg has got all these ethics series. So I eventually started listening to them, and I didn't really understand at the beginning. And little by little, um, it kind of dawned on me. At first, I remember when the light started dawning on me that uh, what Greg was really saying, I, I thought that he had made a, a tactical mistake when I discovered um, – you know, just the general drift of, of theonomy, but um, I just, I kept listening and reading. Um, Bonson in particular has just had a, a monstrous influence um, on my life. He is, I'd say the three, well, I'd probably the four main tenets of Greg's teaching were, you know, Calvinism, presuppositional apologetics, theonomy, and uh, post-mill. And um, three of the four, uh, I was not on board with. And you know, just from Greg's ministry, uh, uh, he just, you know, slowly converted me one issue right after another. So um, I kept listening and reading, and um, the audio series really that pushed me, tipped me over the edge, was called, Has Westminster Found a Critique for Theonomy Yet? And if I recall, Greg recorded that audio series after one of his books had come out, and there was um, a bit of a rebuttal from the staff of Westminster um, Seminary over um, the book. And that uh, Greg then came out with this audio series, basically you know, responding to you know, their, their book rebuttal. And uh, he ended up uh, addressing a number of substantive you know, issues that, that the book tried to bring up regarding theonomy. And, just one after another, um, Greg ended up batting down any issues that I had. And pretty soon by the time of the audio series was over, I, I was on board. That's really cool. Yeah. Okay. So you've been a theonomist for about 15 or so years. Uh, yeah, I, I would say I, it's hard to really trace it um, back for me, but it was such a slow process, but yeah. 
Okay. So I thought you had been a theonomist for like 30 years. That's where I made a comment. You've been a theonomist longer than I've been alive, but I guess not quite that long. <laughs> well, you know, I had, um, I had uh, Rush Dooney's um, Institutes of Biblical Law a long time ago and had it and really did not understand um, really what it was about. So I had it a long time, but I really wasn't on board with it until Bonson, but that, that's another story. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. So for me, I've not been a theonomist super long. I don't even really have much of an idea when I would say this is the moment I became a theonomist because it was so gradual. And in a lot of ways, I feel like I kind of agreed with it, but like didn't officially agree with it yet. I think postmo is kind of the same way because the way I kind of describe it is I've officially been postmo for a year, but I was quote unquote flirting with postmo for a good two or three years before yeah. then. Like I remember a conversation like a year or two before I officially became a postmail. I was describing something with a friend of mine in college that it was actually something I'd heard from Marcus Pittman about how technology has helped us to undo some of the effects of the fall. Like look at farming, you know, farming is pretty much directly related to the part of the curse of the fall that related to Adam. And at first they just had rudimentary tools, you know, probably kind of more just had sticks and stuff. And then Adam invented forgery and invented hose and all kinds of stuff like that and then eventually someone decides hey you know instead of making little hand tools we can make bigger tools and then someone says hey we can have animals pull these bigger tools for us and then that goes on for thousands of years and then the engine gets invented and we start putting those big tools on an engine instead of being pulled by an animal and now here we are with these gps autonomous john deere tractors <laughs> where the farmer just sits inside in the air conditioned tractor with his tablet or book reading just that way if the gps gets off he can guide it back to right. place and then the entire time i'm saying i'm not postmail though i'm not postmail though and my friend looks at me at the end and goes i think you're postmail <laughs> and then like a year later i finally officially decided i was yeah i i, I your your testimony is very similar to mine postmail also kind of crept up on me little by little it's funny Again, the, the, the ministry of Greg Bonson just continues to uh, reverberate uh, throughout the world and probably always will. So, Yeah, a lot of me with postmill and theonomy came from Jeff Durbin, Apologia, and CrossPolitik. And I know both of them were very much influenced by Bonson, especially Apologia. Yeah. So, yeah, that's cool. Um, it's cool to hear everything with the effects Bonson had on you. When I first got into Bonson, it was a few years ago, more just for his apologetics, because I became precept, I don't know, three or four years ago. And then I started listening to Bonson on stuff and discovered all this other stuff he had. So it's kind of funny. You get into someone for this one thing, and then you find out all these other things they have that you maybe at the time hated and then grow to also like. Well, Greg has such an unusual ministry. I mean, I, I've been a Christian for so many years, and I don't know how many... Uh, people I listened to over the years, and just exactly like you said, you start listening to them for one particular thing, and you start listening to them for other things, and you find things that you disagree with. And but with Greg, the more I listen to Greg, the more I end up agreeing. I really I can't think of anything I disagree with Greg about. He was just really a, just a solid exegete. Yeah, and you know, I even have friends who hold to a more classical apologetic. That admit to me, they also, even though they disagree with them on some points, they like Van Til and they like Bonson and they say 
our main issues with presup isn't with those two it's with a lot of the other guys like frame and other guys like that uh, isn't that funny yeah i actually had a guy who's more on the classical side tell me recently he thinks van till van till's presup and bonson's presup was actually not super far off from classical at some of the students of van till that changed what he said that he thinks are the ones that are really far off from classical uh, which is an interesting thought i want to look more into yeah 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 well i mean i've got so many series of, of greg where he you know talks about the use of evidences and you know that's usually one of the first objections to people who don't really know presoft is you know that it doesn't support evidences and that's it's just not true so it, it's interesting yeah Evidential says evidence is therefore God. Precept says God, therefore evidences. Yeah. The evidences are just in keeping with the world God made. Yeah. yeah, that was something when I was teaching a precept class for Cruciform Bible Institute a year ago, there were some guys from Ireland actually who were in the class. And they told me before the class, they thought this whole debate between evidential and precept so dumb. We just use both when we're doing open air evangelism because they do that a lot there. And after I explained the differences between how precepts and evidentialists use evidence that we you we both use evidence but we do it in a completely different manner they say hey because all these evidences you should believe in god we say god already exists he's already your lord and your judge you're just in disobedience to him and hey there are a lot of evidences but that's just because we would expect the world god made to have evidences of him and as soon as i explained that to them they were like oh so we are presup we just use evidences in a presuppositional way yeah excellent that's perfectly explained jeremy thanks yeah so it's cool how all this stuff works like with thomas Sowell, even though he's not a believer i wish he would become one i would love to see thomas Sowell and james Lindsay both become christians but i got into thomas Sowell from his economics i had one or two professors in college saying you need to read thomas Sowell on economics he's one of the best and then i started reading him and then i first i read my first thomas Sowell book shortly after i really started diving into crt and how to fight that whole stuff and then I realized that Thomas Sowell has almost as much against CRT and similar ideas as he does on economics. <laughs> Excellent. So just one, like you were saying, you got into Greg Bonson for the one thing and discovered all those others. That's kind of how it was with me and Thomas Sowell on some stuff too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. So what would you say is a bit of a history of recent theonomy or theonomy maybe overall or maybe just in the last century well that's interesting the way you put the question because um you know the first point i wanted to make is i, I do want to mostly talk about uh you know people within the last you know 100 years but uh you know going back i i don't want to just talk about that and not make the point that you can find adherence to um you know people and movements um, adherence to God's law and, and uh, confessional standards, uh, the Covenanters, uh, Samuel Rutherford, George Gillespie, etc. I mean, the whole thing just didn't start with um, Rush Dooney, but within the last 100 years, um, he certainly has to be um, a highlight. And uh, my understanding from what I've read and listened to and uh, biographies about Rush Dooney is that he had a voracious appetite for reading um, the Bible as a young boy. And from what I understand, uh, grew up with a conviction about um, God's law. I recall reading in one of his uh, biographies that um, he tried in an early, uh, in an academic set setting to challenge his professor uh, along those lines, but he got shredded. 
And it was at that point that Rush um, stayed quiet about his convictions and started studying until he thought he had a more solid foundation. So he was definitely growing along those lines. But, you know, at the point that that happened, you know, he really, you know, dug deep and, and started you know, learning and studying. That's really cool. You know, one thing for looking at an aspect of theonomy and church history, I would say, I, th I think you would probably agree that theonomy and the doctrine of the lesser magistrate are pretty closely related in a lot yeah. of ways. Yeah. So we have the Magdeburg Confession that, what, it'll be 500 years old in a few decades. I think it was like the 1550s or something like that, that was yeah. written. So the Magdeburg Confession, which if you've read any of you listening, if you've read the book, The Doctrine of the Lesser Magistrate by Matt Truella, then you're probably familiar with that confession. That was a confession written on this concept of the doctrine of the lesser magistrate nearly 500 years ago. So that's an area where we can see an aspect of theonomy in church history. Yeah, that, that is an excellent point. And yeah, that, that you know, really underscores what you know, I said at the outset. I mean, it's not like this all started with um, Restuni uh, you know, in the last 100 years. I mean, it, it's, you know, it's been there for a long time. So Rush began um, digging deep at, at this point in his life, and as uh, as you know, Rush started learning and growing. Um, he started building a media ministry, which grew, um, and he started periodicals such as um, the Journal of Christian Reconstruction. Um, you can find some of those back issues on the calcedon.edu site, and there you can also get some of them on um in kindle um as well uh, i've tried to get both so i've got as many as i can because they're they're just a real treasure um but this is you know kind of um you know some early um growth in in russia's life the journal of christian reconstruction i'm not sure how bonson found rush but um greg uh, at the very outset of the journal was a strong contributor and he was a contributor to it for a number of years. In that same vein, uh, let me bring Gary North into this. Uh, Gary North um, met Rush um, while in college when Rush was um, writing funded by the Volcker Fund. And Rush hired him as an intern to review books. And that ultimately led to Gary uh, Gary North becoming the editor of the um, Journal of Christian Reconstruction from 1974 to 1981. So that's how Gary North kind of comes into all this as well. Um, I'm not sure if, uh, drag yet another person into this, not sure if, if Gary DeMar uh, worked with Rush, but Gary certainly had a lifelong association with uh, Greg Bonson. Um, I don't know if, uh, make sure all, the, all your listeners know that Gary DeMar is the person who's the principal person behind the American Vision um, site. So that, that's a good place to get um, pro-theonomy, pro-presuppositional apologetics um, works. Matter of fact, they just came out with a new book by Greg Bonson here in the last week. Yeah, I didn't know that Against All Opposition was the first book in a trilogy until I saw that. I bought and read Against All Opposition a year ago when it was new and now there's a part two and I'm being told there's going to be a part three to it. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, how, how Gary made the book, I, I'm sure you read was that uh, he had notes from uh, some uh, teaching uh, opportunity from Greg and he just basically built it from those notes. So however you get it, we, we want more. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. If you like apologia or cross politic, then 
you're probably familiar with Gary DeMar or have been influenced by him because he's done a lot to influence guys like uh, Darren Doan and the Apologia guys and cross-politic guys. Yeah, agreed. Well, um, continuing on, uh, we were talking about Gary North a minute ago. Um, Gary um, is Gary North is still writing um, in the vein of the uh, theonomy. Um, he just came out in the last you know, couple few years with what he described was his uh, magnum opus. Um, his focus has um, been from the beginning more um, um, economic, uh, much like your podcast. Um, but it hasn't been completely confined uh, to that. Also, like your podcast, he uh, uh, he wrote um, a commentary uh, through uh, the Pentateuch that was more you know economic focused. And, but he wrote a lot of other books. I personally, I love to read Gary North. Uh, it is impossible to read Gary and not laugh and laugh loud. Uh, he's got a great sense of humor, uh, and he really he puts things well. Um, and have just learned a lot from him and his ministry. Yeah, if any of the listeners are interested, you can go to GaryNorth.com and he has probably nearly every book he's written for free PDF download on that website. Yeah, He has economic commentaries in the Bible. Then he has all kinds of other stuff. Uh, there's actually a book, I have a physical copy of it called uh, Productive Christians in an Age of Guilt Manipulators that was written by Chilton, but Gary North wrote the foreword. And it was written in response to Rich Christians in an Age of Hunger, which was a book arguing for Christian socialism. And since Gary North wrote the foreword and Chilton's now dead, I guess Gary North got the rights to it or something. And he even has that one for free. I just didn't know about his website when I bought the book. It, but now I'm glad I bought it because when I bought the book a while back, it was like $12. And now that book's like $50. <laughs> so I bought it at a good yeah, time. Yeah, you did. It's hard to get physical copies of the books. I ended up buying a number of them used on Amazon, especially the hardbacks. And some of them are really expensive. They're, they're tough to get. But like you said, you can get the PDF for free on a site. Yeah. Sometimes you can find a cheap copy of the book on eBay because the person selling it on eBay doesn't really know what they have. <laughs> um, My pastor's gotten a few books that way that were a lot more expensive on Amazon. So we got them off of eBay pretty cheap. <laughs> Yeah, well, you're, you're starting to make some of my uh, uh, points uh, for me that uh, I was going to discuss. Yeah, you can get so much stuff off Gary North's site. Uh, that really is a find. If, if, uh, if you're looking for a good, you know, theonomic information, you ought to just raid Gary's site. It's just full of stuff. Um, it, it, of all the people that we just talked a minute ago, um, you know, my understanding from what I read was really the core of the theon theonomic movement was the, the central core of it was um, Russ Dooney, Gary North, and Greg Bonson. That really comprised the core of it. And I mean, there was a lot of others that, you know, that came in and uh, worked with it as well, like Ken Gentry and, and many others. The names escape me. Um, yeah, like uh, Chilton that I just mentioned a minute ago with that book. I yeah, 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 Chilton. You'll find so many other uh, people as well. Um, Bonson uh, has got an audio lecture where he, or he at that time discussed the current state of theonomy and, you know, uh, lamented that uh, it had um, fractured, uh, you know, very much. Um, I don't believe there was ever an issue between uh, Greg Bonson and Gary, Gary North, though, but um, he, he laments that it had fractured, and I, I don't think that ended up, of course, helping the movement much and uh it really has you know wound down a lot of the years but you know the current resurgence is 
certainly um, helping it um, again. Yeah, we're kind of seeing like a next generation of theonomic leaders, which is kind of funny that Gary DeMar was kind of like part of the first generation theonomy leaders, but he's still around. He's still kicking. And while Gary North's still around too, I think Gary DeMar does a lot more stuff on social media, which helps him be more prevalent among younger people. So it's like Gary DeMar might go down in history as a leader in the first and second generation of the theonomy (laughs) movement. Yeah, you're probably right. (laughs) But yeah, then you have other guys, like I already mentioned a couple of times, cross politic and then, uh, Apologia and Marcus Pittman, I guess, kind of counts underneath both of those camps. And also with his camp lore, Marcus Pittman's done a lot. And uh, some of these other people, I don't know if Founders Ministries is explicitly theonomic or not. Mm, yeah, I don't know. That's an interesting question. Yeah, um, I, I think um, it, you and I had mentioned, um, uh, I think you were going to include on the, the podcast the um, uh, um, my, where my blog is. And why I mention that is I've got a post out there uh, that's got a number of um, theonomic um, uh, resources of one kind or another, sites, people, you know, things to look at. There's there's quite a few people out there nowadays uh, to look at, to listen to. Yeah, I'll put a link to your blog in the description of this video. Okay. Well, um, after going through all this, um, let's let's uh, talk about major contributions here. Um, let's start with... Um, Greg Bonson, um, as I mentioned at the outset, Bonson's resources, they can largely be found at Covenant Media Foundation, cmfnow.com. Um, to the theonomic movement, he's got a ton of audio out there. Look for uh, lectures with uh, titles, uh, ethics and so forth, God's all that kind of thing. His major contributions in books are By This Standard, um, Theonomy and Christian Ethics, and No Other Standard, Theonomy and Its Critics. Rush Dooney's um, work exists at calcedon.edu. Um, of course, Rush has is, is long been dead, um, and his son, Mark Rush Dooney, now runs the, the ministry. Mark is just a really super nice guy, and I like his material and well and, and buy it. Um, Rush Dooney's major uh, contributions are his three-volume Institutes of Biblical Law. If y'all want a good book, going back to Precept for a, a minute, if y'all want a good book, by Gary, not Gary DeMar, Gary North, by Rush Dooney that helps with pre-sup. I bought it recently. I haven't gotten a chance to read it yet, hopefully soon, but he has a book on the problem of the one in the many. And that's, I think, where we really see how pre-sup stands against any other worldview. Because some people might say pre-sup works for any religion that has a holy book, not just Christianity, that it could work with Islam and stuff like that. But it doesn't because only the Trinity solves the problem of the one in the many. A Unitarian religion like Islam can't claim a presuppositional standard because they can't solve the problem of the one in the many. And so you can check out that book by Rush Juni to learn more about that. And then there's another book. Where do I have it at? That goes into the problem of the one in the many. Uh, Bosserman, I think, is the guy's mm-hmm. name. But keep going with what you were saying. I just wanted to give a little side note since we'd already talked about presup about a book that uh, that Rush Juni wrote well, that really set sets apart precept from other yeah, views. people are going to think we, we we've rehearsed this because what you just said was a perfect segue to the exact next thing i was going to say a couple of real interesting uh Restuni factoids is number one um he had a warm relationship with dr van Til, and uh they corresponded regularly which is why in Restuni, you know you see not only theonomy but presuppositional uh, apologetics 
Uh, I remember reading in his biography that when he found, I forget what book it was by Van Til, um, he just, he was just so happy he could barely contain himself. And because it really helped um, him in his work in ministry to address, uh, you know, some things he was battling with. Um, Rush in his life um, sought to popularize uh, the work of Van Til and what he wrote. You know, I've heard from, you know, even folks from Westminster um, a Seminary that, uh, you know, it's, uh, Van Til can sometimes be difficult to read. I, I'll certainly agree with that. And, uh, you know, Rush was trying to do his best to, to popularize that, those works. The, the other thing, the other interesting factoid about Rush Dooney is the strong part that he played in the six-day creation movement. Um, Henry Morris's um, seminal book, uh, The Genesis Flood, um, it was rejected by publishers until Rush Dooney got involved and put in a good work for it. And if not for Rush, that, that book might never have come out. And that book is widely recognized as what kickstarted the entire six-day creation movement. I never knew that. So basically, something like Answers in Genesis may have not, never existed if it wasn't for Rush yeah, Dooney. I, I think that's fair. Wow, that's pretty cool. You know, I also kind of makes sense that Answers in Genesis is pre-sup. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It's very interesting. But Jason Lyle may be a bigger factor in Answers in Genesis being pre-sup than Rush Dooney. Yeah, yeah. You, um, I, I also love. It's funny. Uh, uh, you and I hadn't mentioned his name before, but I, we also love Jason Lyle. Just a wonderful um, individual. Yeah. Also perhaps the smartest man alive right now <laughs> yeah ken ham was down um where i live um several several years ago and uh we ended up talking with him and, and he's very much um pro presuppositional apologetics so i think the whole ministry is at this point yeah that's really cool it's interesting to see all the different aspects of christianity in the last half century three quarters of a century that was all possible because of outflows of the presuppositional worldview that Van Til developed, like biblical counseling, or to use its older term, neuthetic counseling. That's really just the presuppositional worldview applied to counseling. Uh, David Paulison, who was one of the biggest leaders and biggest names in the biblical counseling movement, there's a quote he gave at a talk where he said, biblical counseling is Van Tilian. Probably my favorite quote. By yeah, him. that's interesting, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, the, the last point I had in this in this history was is actually something along the lines of what you were just saying. Um, I, I you know I have to give a tip of the hat to um, Greg Bonson and all of this. Um, just uh, an unusual individual, you know, brought along by the Lord at the right time, um, who was able to take um, both Rush Dooney's and Van Till's ministry and work and writing, and basically uh, you know create popularized bulletproof defenses of both and popularized them uh, for uh, the masses and did so much. I, I don't know if, you know, how, how prevalent, uh, you know, theonomy or certainly presuppositional apologetics would have been, you know, without Greg's ministry. And like, you know, Greg was able to, to, to debate Greg Stein, um, Stein at, the, uh, at the outset. And I don't think that, that Dr. Van Til was doing those things and, you know, popularizing his works. But, you know, uh, Van Til in particular, he was, you know, able to, um, you know, um, uh, write it for the general masses to be able to read and, and grow and learn. And he, Greg just did so much for both ministries. 
Oh yeah. My favorite moment in any debate ever comes from the Stein debate. I don't even think I need to tell you what uh, part I'm talking about. You probably know just for me saying that, but for anyone who doesn't catch, didn't catch that, if you haven't listened to debate, there's one point in the debate where they're doing cross-examination. The debate had a bit of a weird format. They went through like several back and forth cross-examination sections instead of just each one getting one. And so Greg Bonson, for his last question for his cross-examination time, he says, are the laws of logic immaterial? And uh, Dr. Stein, he responds, yes, of course, the laws of logic are immaterial. Basically, he's like, are you stupid? Of course, the laws of logic are immaterial. <laughs> then fast forward about 60 seconds. Now it's Dr. Stein's time to question Dr. Bonson. His first question is, is God immaterial? Dr. Bonson says, yes, God is immaterial. His second question, is there anything other than God that's immaterial? And Dr. Bonson says, yes, the laws of logic. <laughs> and the moderator had to tell the audience to stop laughing. <laughs> well, I, did, did you know that uh, apparently at the time, John Frame was in attendance at that debate? Did, were you aware of that? I didn't know that. Yeah, he said, uh, John Frame said uh, uh, that the uh, that the air, the general uh, of the um, of that uh, debate, he said it was just electric. And I mean, Greg just really handily won the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, a while back, before I knew Robin, who's the guy behind uh, Bonson and Memes, I just knew the pages Bonson and Memes. I, I sent him an idea. I said, you need to take the format of the Yu-Gi-Oh's like saying you just activated my trap card and put that with that part of that debate because <laughs> it's just perfect. <laughs> it is a great debate. And and for the listeners of this podcast, if you haven't listened to that, you've got to listen to the Greg Monson Gordon Stein debate. It's just wonderful. It's one of the best debates. That and then the debate between uh James White and Silverman on is the New Testament evil. That was James White crushed him. But it's the thing, James White kind of didn't have to do anything. The guy was trying to argue two points. The New Testament is evil and morals are relative at the same time in the same debate. Like, you don't have to be someone as smart as James White to win that debate. You just have to know how precept works. <laughs> exactly. Oh, anything you want to say in closing before we wrap up this time? No, I, I, I don't think so. Um, I, I don't think anyone's ever going to track me down to write a critical edition to the history of theonomy. So I apologize to everyone that uh, for points I got wrong, but hopefully this has got of some use to someone. Yeah, so I think you did a good job of giving off the names of various leaders in the early theonomic movement and how they interacted with different things and I think by the end of this, between the two of us, we named just about all the big names in theonomy from right now all the way back to Rush Dooney himself. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Um, anything else you want to say about your website before we close out? No. Uh, well, um, uh, there is, um, I, I started, I don't know, several years ago on a series I was going to do through theonomy. And I thought, you know, at the time, I'll write a dozen or two dozen <laughs> post and just be done with this and move on i'm up to a post i think 110 and i it just no sign of stopping so uh, that's one of the things you'll find out in in my blog wow you said uh, like 100 110 articles going through theonomy <laughs> yeah i never meant to do that many and i've got so many topics left to, to go so it's gonna it's got legs for some time yet that's really cool i bet you have a lot of ways different case laws apply to various situations in there. So that's good. Yeah, there's all kinds of stuff. Cool. Um, well, any last things you want to say or should I go ahead and wrap up? Yeah, go ahead and wrap up. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode, everyone. I hope you learned a bit more about theonomy and the history of it and a bit about presuppositional 
apologetics because I think that theonomy is one of the various things that is just part of the presuppositional worldview. And so I would really say that I don't think you should be a theonomist if you don't hold to presuppositional apologetics. I think they are consistent with each other. So with that being said, stay tuned for next week when there will be another episode where David and I are talking about theonomy. That time we will be looking at common objections to theonomy and talking about how to answer them. So as we go, I want to remind everyone that the law of the Lord is perfect, sure, right, pure, clean, and true. So go apply that law in light of the gospel of Christ's atoning death and resurrection to every area of life. Grace and peace. Satisfies me, your law is sweet, oh you.